Welcome back, episode five of Thirty-Five Millimeter Podcast. I'm Thomas. Joining me is Zach. How's everybody doing? And uh, we kind of have a, I, don't know, I guess I can't say a fun movie to do today. This is not a fun movie. <laughs> no. But uh, it was a, uh, it was an enjoyable movie to watch. We watched it together. Uh, it was the first movie that, that we were reviewing that we've actually watched together. We did Spider-Man, but that was a little different. Yeah, we did it was that in, a f- in a theater. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the movie we are doing today is Seven. Uh, Seven is a David Fincher movie. Uh, came out in 1995, uh, starring Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Gwyneth Paltrow, and um, sorry if you don't want spoilers, but Kevin Spacey. And uh, this movie revolves around retiring detective uh who is morgan freeman joined by a a new transfer which is brad pitt and they are um, going through these murders that are happening and they soon realize that it's from a serial killer one and two it's representing the seven deadly sins Mm -hmm. and you know there's a lot of patterns in this movie one of them is seven obviously the title is it's supposed to be s-e-7-e-n for seven Mm -hmm. Uh, there's the seven deadly sins, the seven days before Somerset retires. So that's kind of the uh, pattern of seven. And then they also, at the very end of the movie, uh, Kevin Spacey, the killer, has them. Uh, John Doe is his like mm-hmm. Elias. Like he has them, like take him out into the middle of nowhere to like this trailer, and like they get there exactly at seven. Yeah, exactly at seven. And so. That's pretty much the premise of this movie. Uh, more at a uh, microscopic level, the movie begins with Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. They go to a house of a man, and on the surface, it just looks like a really nasty kind mm-hmm. of thing. The guy uh, is face down in a bowl of spaghetti, and he's just a big old boy. And there's food everywhere. Everywhere. And so with his face down in the spaghetti, they kind of piece it all together that his hands are um, barbed wire together. His he, ankles. His ankles the same. His body is extremely discolored. And they, uh, once they go to the morgue, they realize that, yeah, this guy did get stabbed and did have a, basically have a gun to his head. Mm-hmm. But he basically ate himself to death. Yeah, he was held at gunpoint and forced to just eat until his stomach exploded pretty much yeah so he he basically died of eating and we we don't the detectives don't realize this immediately mm-hmm. but right into it we realize that this is gluttony which is considered the sin of excessive eating or excessive drinking mm-hmm. and this situation it's focused on the excessive eating part and that was something that i kind of had a problem with is is eating too much really a sin the seven deadly sins go back to like medieval times. Yeah. So it's just like one of those things about like it kind of ties into greed about just like eating more than like you really need and like eating more than like what anyone else like has access to, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess that makes sense. But like in a, in society today, eating too much is uh, mm-hmm. kind and of that's, a commonplace. And that's what John Doe talks about in the police car when they're driving out to the mm-hmm. middle, middle of nowhere. He's like... We just like accept these things and like don't bat an eye at it. Yeah. And he's like trying to like bring attention to these sins, and that's like his motive. Yeah. So uh, after that one, we see them. They they end up going to uh, Mills's house, which is Brad Pitt's character. Mm-hmm. His wife's there. Their dogs are there. Uh, really, they just kind of have a pretty simple conversation, and then they work a little bit on, bit on the case. And then as that's going on, it, it might have been a little bit before that. The district attorney gets murdered, 
in his office and uh, on the ground there's in blood it says greed. Mm-hmm. And we later find out how I, how is he murdered? I forget. So we later find out that he is forced to have exactly a pound of his flesh uh, cut off. Yeah, that was him. That's yeah. And so he cuts into the left side of his stomach, and that obviously is enough for him to bleed out and die. Mm-hmm. And so that's how he dies. And they realize that once they have greed, they're saying, "Okay, what does this have to do?" And they um, Morgan Freeman goes to the library. Does a lot of research on the seven deadly sins, ends up going back and breaking into the house of the guy. Well, because some one of his, like their bosses dropped off. Like he like this is evidence. Like the coroner found this in his body, and it was like plastic. Yeah, he was forced to eat it. Yeah. And so what he does is he takes the plastic, and he finds what I think was a mini fridge. Yeah, and there's like scratch marks on the floor. And yeah. He finds that those plastic pieces fit into that, and it's right in front of the fridge. Yeah, so he uh, he realizes that that's been moved. So he pulls it out, and it says gluttony back there, and mm-hmm. kitchen grease is what they said it was done in. Yeah. And then there's also a note, and the note basically is confirming what they're saying, that yeah. these are the seven deadly And it's sins. a quote from a book. Yeah. That Morgan Freeman like knew right away. He's like, I know what this is. Yeah. Um, which his knowledge in all of this makes him, like, I thought he was a suspect. Yeah, no, I, yeah, you said that there was just like, there was something, he was mysterious. The fact that he was retiring, he was able to follow this case really well and like figure things out very quickly. Yeah. Um, And it just, it seemed a little fishy. Mm -hmm. And because of like movies like Silence of the Lambs, like you know who the guy is immediately. Like this movie, it doesn't introduce like a suspect. Yeah. Like until like over an hour into the movie. Um, when they finally go to his apartment to knock on the door. Yeah. So this whole time you're like, okay, like it might be someone that like we're around pretty frequently. And there was, there was just that mysterious element to him. And like Morgan Freeman, like you don't like, he doesn't have a family around. Like you don't like see his like family at all. And so. he's just kind of a weird kind of grouchy guy. Yeah. He's got his, uh, his clicker when, uh, the metronome. Yeah. yeah he, he sleeps with the metronome on. Yeah. And they never explain that. No, I, I, I think it might have just been kind of a white noise thing yeah. with how loud his apartment was. Yeah, and also, like, maybe he just, like, because he's been in the police force so long, like, he hates the sound of silence. Like, mm-hmm. it, like, freaks him out. Yeah. So, so uh, after that, we go to the wife of the district attorney, and we're trying to find something that she notices that is missing. Obviously, this is really hard for her because they're showing basically the pictures of her husband's dead body. Mm-hmm. And then she basically said, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing it. And then, this, and then unlike the last picture, she sees a painting that is turned over. Mm-hmm. She's like, this painting's upside down. They go to get the painting. They can't find anything. They open the back of it. They open the front. Nothing. So the uh, uh, Detective Hoff, Hoff, Somerset was Detective Hoffman. I don't know. Uh, something's in my head, <laughs> at least. Um, so they go there and they use the fingerprint detector. They find fingerprints, and on there it says, Help me in fingerprints. Well, the fingerprint analysis that they find is a guy who has a history with crime. They go to his apartment, they break in, can't find anything. Don't they, they, They're having trouble finding anything. And in the back room, they see a body under a blanket. Mm hmm. And well, there's like this whole SWAT team. Yeah, in, I mean, there's this. a lot of people there. Oh, but they also had the air fresheners in there. 
Yeah. They, like there's just all these car air fresheners hanging and it was because of the smell. Yeah. Because this guy's body is just like sitting in this bed. Yeah, just decomposing. Yeah. So this guy, uh, they pull the bucket up and he appears dead. And then it makes sense because... He looks like he, a corpse. Like yeah. He, this guy is like shriveled up. Yeah. Not like... And it, we, we learned that he'd been tied down to the bed for a year to the exact day. Mm-hmm. His which, hand is missing. Which shows you how smart this killer is. Like yeah. he, he wanted... like. He, he was playing the cops. Like, he wanted them to get there on that day. Yeah. So, his hand is missing, which obviously is the reason for the fingerprints. Mm-hmm. And then we learned that he had been getting IVs. He had been getting enough nutrients to be alive. He had a catheter, and then he had a tube to poop, basically. Yeah. So, he theoretically was able to live. And but there like, was nothing inside of this guy. No. Like they said, his brain was mush. If you shined a flashlight in his eyes, he would have died of shock. Yeah. Because he had so, just been in bed for a year. Yeah. The, the guy ends up, you know, coughing and being alive. But he ends up obviously dying later. Mm-hmm. So that gets us to our third guy. And we realize, okay, this is obviously not our guy. He's been strapped to this bed for a year. Yeah. And then they get a little bit of information uh, uh, from a what it like a sex toy store, I guess. Mm-hmm. So they they go there, and they get information on this device. Well, oh, because they found a. That's later. That's after they go into his apartment. They go into his apartment after that. Um, they go to the. Oh, they, you're right. They go. They have this guy who works with the FBI. They meet him at this cafe, mm-hmm. and they give him this list of books and it's like all the books that have been quoted at these murder scenes. Yeah. And this, this guy that works for the FBI, his, uh, his name in the credits is like greasy FBI. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. Mark Boone Jr.'s greasy FBI man. Yeah. So he takes this list and he runs and like, he comes back, um, with a name and it's the account, the library card that checked out those books. Yeah. So then they go to hit uh, John Doe's apartment, um, and they knock on the door. No, and they since they went behind the backs of like their bosses, they didn't get this evidence cleared. They kind of did it under the table with this guy. Yeah, they don't Liter- have any literally, literally under the table. They passed him the list underneath the table in the money. Yeah, underneath the table at the cafe. So they don't have a reason to go search this guy in like in the eyes of the law. So they knock on the door. No answer. And then we see this mysterious guy with a hat on at the end of the hallway. And they're like kind of checking him out. And then he pulls out a gun and shoots at them and takes off running. Yeah, I'm amazed he didn't hit them. Yeah, I know. It's, the that's always the case. The, it's always the case in those movies. Yes. So um, in the most simplistic way possible, the, the chase ensues. They try and get him. They get close to him a couple times. And then he, he ends up holding Brad Pitt at gunpoint on the ground. He had beat the crap out of Brad Pitt. Yeah, so he, he hides behind a garbage truck. Brad Pitt comes and he just whips him with the gun. Yeah. Uh, cuts his face all up. And then he holds him at gunpoint. And basically Brad Pitt's pleading for his life. The guy ends up leaving. And Morgan Freeman's trying to catch up at this point. Yeah, so he finally catches up. Then they convince a woman outside or pay her off to say that... Some, she called into the police because something seemed mysterious at the apartment. Mm-hmm. So, so that was their motive for going there. Because before that, Brad Pitt was like talking about how he needed to break down the door. And Morgan Freeman's like, you can't do that. We can't, we can't report the reason that we're here. Exactly. And Brad Pitt, out of anger, because he was just held at gunpoint and the guy got away, he just ends up kicking down the door anyway. 
Yeah, and so when he kicks down the door, you see kind of an anger to him, mm-hmm. which makes the ending a lot more predictable yeah. when it happens. But we'll get to that in a minute. So they kick down the door, and you know sometimes when you think you have the killer's apartment or whatever, it's a little bit mysterious. You know, it might not be exactly him. It is him. Oh, oh no, yeah. there's no doubt. We, we forgot one point. When they were in, uh, when they were marking off the apartment and stuff before they were allowed to go in, uh, they're standing on the staircase and a photographer comes. Oh yeah, tries to take some pictures of them. Basically, Brad Pitt tells them to screw off, get out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that was that was the point that it happened at. Exactly. So as we walk into the apartment, we see torture devices, pictures of the people. This red like lit up cross on the wall we see the guy's hand soaking Mm -hmm. in some sort of solution yeah Yeah. some sort of solution and then we go to the bathtub brad pitt's in the bathtub and he sees the photographs of this guy of him like extending his arm out at what was that photographer to try and get Mm -hmm. him to go away which means that that he john doe went back to the apartment at some point yeah during that chase Exactly. So we then realized that the guy who was taking the pictures was John Doe. Mm-hmm. And he says, we had him and we let him get away. They get a phone call. It's John Doe. And he says, hey, I admire you. You guys are doing a good job. I'm surprised you guys found me this quickly. Yeah. There's going to be, because of our setback, we're going to have to extend this a little bit. That's when they find some devices at his apartment mm-hmm. that are kind of, sex torture devices yeah so they go to the sex store and they show the guy because they see a they he pulls up a business card and it's though or a receipt or a bag something it was something yeah. and it was like wild bills leather store. Yeah, yeah leather store yeah so uh they explain to this guy what was on the receipt and the guy's like oh uh are you talking about this and he pulls out a pol- polaroid yeah. And we don't see the Polaroid at that point, but they're like, yep, that's what we're talking about. So they take it, take the guest Polaroid, and they go to a prostitution shop. I'm not sure if they knew. Oh, no. They had the picture of the prostitute. Yes. So that, had, that was in the apartment as well. And they were curious. They said, who's the blonde? Exactly. So they figure out who the prostitute is. They go to where she, I guess, is employed. Mm-hmm. And it's just a crime scene already. Yeah. So they have the girl. She is on the bed dead. She mm-hmm. is done for. They have this guy who is just oh, he's, a lunatic. He's hyperventilating. He's a mess. Yeah, because he, we later learn, well, we'll try and keep this as non-explicit yeah. as possible. It, he was, it was basically the same situation as the guy who was forced to eat himself. Yes. Or so, eat, eat, eat himself to death, I mean. Um, this guy was a customer, and he was held at gunpoint by John Doe. And forced to put on this torture device, pretty much. Yeah, he, he was and it's forced to have... He, it's, a, it's a blade that he has to like put inside this girl. Yes. That's like the cleanest way to put it. Yeah, it's it's pretty much the nastiest scene in and the then, movie. It's and that's, pretty disgusting. And that's obviously lust. This prostitute is... Like, this sin is lust. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like trying to... like. M- teach the sinners with the sins that they use yeah. and like that's how he wants them to die um so yeah that, this, uh, so then they end up taking in the guy who like works the front at this business this uh what, brothel i guess yeah yeah the, um, the the owner of the store i guess yeah. kind of the the pimp 
I guess. Pretty, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, they take him into the station. They take the guy who was the Going one who crazy. had to kill her. Um, yeah. They take him in and are questioning them. They get the full story of like what happened, and the guy explains that, yeah, he was held at gunpoint, um, and he was scared, and he just had to do it. Yeah. Um, so we get past that, and then what? which one comes next? Uh, so that is four of them. And then the next one there's is... There's only one more. Yeah, there's only one more before the final scene. And the next one is the girl who has the plastic surgery. Yes, it's a model. Yeah, so she's a model. And basically her sin is pride. Mm-hmm. And so the, the guy is saying that she was so ugly on the inside that she had to make her outside look good. What happened to her was she was strapped down to a bed. Uh, he cut her nose off and cut enough of her face to where she would die a slow death, but it w- she would eventually die, but it would be very slow. Mm-hmm. Um, but her face would be pretty much dismembered forever. Well, he told her, he was like, you can save yourself, but exactly. you'll, you'll look like this forever and stuff like that. So in one hand is glued a bottle of sleeping pills. Mm-hmm. And then the other hand is glued a phone. And basically he says, you can either save your own life and look like this forever or be so ashamed of yourself that you take these sleeping pills and you're done for. Yeah. So we find out she takes the sleeping pills and ends up dying. Which honestly, I don't know if it was even just like a shame of looking like that or if it was just a pain. Like she's in so much pain that like she doesn't want to suffer. Yeah, imagine getting your nose cut off. Yeah. That would not feel good. And then getting like your face like ripped off yeah, pretty much. Yeah, completely dismembered. So that kind of leads us into the scene in the police station. Mm-hmm. We see uh, the two detectives walk into the police station. We see a guy get out of a taxi. Just a kind of weird looking guy. And as they're walking up the stairs, he yells detective. And then he yells it again. And then he screams it. And when he screams it, they turn around. And they know what the guy looks like because they remember he took pictures of him. Yeah. And they well, and Brad Pitt was up close to him. And they had a police drawing of him. Exactly. So we see we turn around and we see it's Kevin Spacey. He's covered in blood. And all that. And he just goes, I think you guys are looking for me. Exactly. So they get him down on the ground. And this is like when you see that he's not just a serial killer. Like he's insane. Like he's actually like a lunatic. Yeah, he's he's a crazy dude. So he's covered in blood, which ends up being very, very important later. Mm-hmm. But uh, they get him into questioning. Or no, they don't get him into questioning. As he's on the ground, he says, I would like to speak with my lawyer. He goes to his lawyer and they get the terms of it. They say, okay, I have two more bodies. And and he's trying to plead insanity. Yeah. He has two more bodies. I only want these two detectives to come out with me to find them. Mm-hmm. If that happens, we're done. You guys get the body. You don't get any negative press attention. Plus, if that happens, I won't plead insanity. Mm-hmm. Because if he pled insanity before, he might have gotten it. Yeah. So that leads He definitely us- should get it. <laughs> this yeah, guy's insane. this dude is crazy. He basically thinks he's the devil's worker. Yeah. No, like, he thinks he's, like, God's worker. Yeah. It's a a weird situation. Um, So this is when we get him into the car. That's when everything kind of starts to come together. He says, you know, this is why he did what he did. And Brad Pitt even says, like, to, to his attorney, he's like, how do we know he actually has two bodies? And they say, well, we found the woman he... We found the blood of the woman whose face he cut off on him. And we also found the blood of another uh, person who has not been identified. Uh 
So that's how they know that there is at least one other body. Exactly. So uh, basically where he's leading them is into the desert. And in this conversation in the car, he's basically saying, you know, that I'm God's worker. Uh, I did do it for the seven deadly sins. Brad Pitt calls these people innocent. Kevin Spacey tells them why they're not he, in he his eyes. Yeah, he laughs at him. And he's, he's like, like, how can you call these people innocent? Yeah. And uh, it gets like, it's one of those moments where you're like, I see his point, but like but that doesn't make yeah, yeah, like this doesn't make this okay. But like I see like what he was doing. And basically, like we talked about with gluttony, he's saying that all of these sins are just looked over like normal now, mm-hmm. and he was trying to change that. Also, something we need to talk about is this kind of blood and gore was not like we've kind of come like desensitized to it because it's like normal in movies now. Yeah, like you've got Squid Game, like this like morbid show. And, like, it's just, like, it's a more... Because, like, they want that shock value, and that's what sells now. Yeah. But in the 90s, this was insane. Like, my mom even, like... My mom's like, it's a great movie. I will not watch it. Like, my my mom will not watch this movie ever again. Like, once was enough for her just because it's so disturbing. Well, that's kind of crazy to think about. The fact that most of the violence actually happens off screen. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in a movie like Saw, which was only, what? That came out in 03, so... What, that would have been eight years later? Yeah. The violence in Saw is uh, on another level compared to this. Mm -hmm. Most of this is off screen. The stuff in Saw, you see the guy cut his foot off. Yeah. I mean, it it is brutally violent. You talked about how American Psycho made you, like, want to take a shower after you watched it. This movie made me want to, like clean like my insides too (laughs) yeah like i wanted to clean everything well even another 1990s movie like american psycho the only gore you see is a guy get his head hit with a sledgehammer yeah and in this it's just you know like i was saying last night this is this is saw with good characters and good dialogue and a good plot yeah this is a far better version of saw before saw i guess Mm -hmm. but so as as all this is going on in the car he he obviously like he admits everything but they go into the basically the desert and i mean it's secluded from everything mm-hmm. they're they're on a dirt road yeah they have a helicopter following them just to make sure there's not an ambush ahead exactly there's no ambush ahead but we see a van start rolling up mm-hmm. so Brad Pitt and Kevin Spacey stay in the or stay in the desert he has Brad Morgan. Pitt on his knees, and he's like he has the gun out just in case like Kevin Spacey tries to pull anything. Exactly. But like he just has like he's handcuffed. He's on the ground. He's being very calm. Yeah. And then so Freeman gets in the car, rolls up to that guy, basically points his gun at him, fires a warning shot in the air. Exactly. And so this guy, we quickly learn he has nothing to do with this. Mm-hmm. He is innocent. He says, hey, this guy told me to drop off a package at 7 o'clock. He paid me 500 bucks." Yeah, and Morgan Freeman does a quick frisk, like pats him down. Yeah, and tells then, the guy to run. Yeah, he's just like, go. And the guy starts running up the hill, and then Morgan Freeman like radios to the helicopter and is like, hey, have someone pick him up. Yeah, so we have the package, and they're calling in a bomb squad. But he says, no, nah, screw that. I'm just going to do it myself. Mm-hmm. Opens it up. Nothing explodes or anything, but we see some blood. Mm-hmm. And then... He just like he looks at him, jumps back, and he's real messed up. About yeah, his it. face just like drops. Yeah, and then he realizes it starts. The gears kind of start to turn. Oh, which we need to go back. There was a scene that I was very confused about at first. Gwyneth uh, 
Paltrow? Yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow. Is it Paltrow or Paltrow? I've always said Paltrow. Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow calls Morgan Freeman. She calls Brad Pitt at work, and then he hands the phone to Morgan Freeman, and she's like, hey, like, can you talk to me? Like, can you meet me yeah. somewhere? And he was like, he was very confused about it, and he was like, what do you need? She's like, I just need you to meet me. Like, I need to talk to you. And she tells him that she's pregnant. Yeah. And she doesn't know what she wants to do yet. She doesn't know if she wants to keep it or anything. Yeah. And Morgan Freeman basically says that, like, him and his like wife at the I don't know if they're still married at this point. I I think he said there was kind of like a relationship, but it never yeah. became one. Um, they they got pregnant and they decided not to keep it. And he said that because he said he couldn't bring a kid into this world with like everything he's seen. Yeah. But then he said that there was part of him that regret that for the rest of his life. Yeah, he said that he never once questioned if it was the right decision, mm-hmm. but he also regretted it every single day for yeah. the rest of his life. And he said to her, he's like, if you decide not to keep it, never tell your husband that you are pregnant. Exactly. So we basically learn, and I. It wasn't something that they were really trying to hide. I no. guessed it pretty quickly. Yeah, once you saw the box. It's you, her. Yeah. It's his wife's head. And then Kevin Spacey starts talking to him, and he starts saying, you know, I really admire you. And well, the, yeah. That, and this is where you see, because the only two sins that haven't been like executed yet were envy and, and wrath. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kevin Spacey's like talking to Brad Pitt, and he's like, you know, I really admire you. Like You have a, a simple life. You have a nice wife at home. And Brad Pitt like starts to like... He's like, what did you just say? Yeah, and then Kevin Spacey's like, yeah, I stopped by your house. Um, and this is this is why it makes sense why he was so bloody mm-hmm. when he got to the yep. police department. He had gone to his house, killed his wife, took her head. And so as that's going on, uh, Morgan Freeman's running back. And he's yelling, saying, Brad Pitt. drop your gun, and drop he's, your gun. And he's, yeah, because he, he knows that Brad Pitt's going to act out of anger. Yes. And he also tells him, like, stay away from the box. Yeah. And so Brad Pitt's basically... You know, the famous line, what's in the box? What's in the box? Well, he quickly learns what is in the box. It's his wife's head. Yeah, because Kevin Spacey just tells him. He's like, yeah, I cut your wife's head off. Yeah. So uh, Morgan Freeman pleads with him, drop your gun, don't do it. He wins if you do this because he completes the sins. Wrath and Kevin Spacey's sin of envy. Yeah. Because he's envious of Brad Pitt. And... You know, this was one of the things I didn't understand in this scene is why didn't Morgan Freeman just try and tackle Brad Pitt? Because at that point, he might have just like, he might have gotten killed. Is he really going to shoot Morgan Freeman though? Maybe not intentionally, but you got to think there's so much like emotion going through Brad Pitt. A lot of adrenaline. Yeah. So it was just one of those moments where like Brad Pitt, like it's like a minute and a half long battle with him like where yeah. he's like holding out his gun and then like stopping and crying and like trying to pull himself together and then he'll stick out his gun again yeah and then pull it down well uh he and then stuck he, it out one time too many and then he ends up unloading all six rounds yes in, into kevin space yeah we see kevin uh kevin spacey get shot and then shot I five ask you, more do times. you ever do you ever do that in a movie do you ever count how many shots there are to see if it's actually accurate I, see so whenever it's a revolver I know there's six, mm-hmm. but whenever there's just a regular handgun, I always count because there's 16. Yeah. And I always wonder, you know, like how, because there's a couple times, you know, the characters will be counting and be like, okay, he's only got three left. Oh, he does have a handgun. It isn't, Morgan Freeman had the revolver. Yeah. Yeah. No, they both have revolvers. Okay. Was that it? Yeah, they both have. Um, which there's a, in the movie Joker, 
he fires seven rounds in the train scene. Oh, really? And that was like that was like the first thing I noticed when I watched that scene. I was like, I was like, that's seven. Okay, gotcha. And he has the revolver. Go but, figure. Seven is a, a theme of this podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he he shoots him once, and then shoots three more rounds, like in a row, like at his dead body, and then uh-huh. and then stops and shoots two more. Yeah. So pretty blatantly, uh, the movie pretty much abruptly ends. Mm-hmm. It. Uh, uh, Denzel Washington or Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Gosh, he quotes. It, it does kind of have some similarities to Training Day. It does with that yeah. with that older like the rookie and then like their the vet. almost retired uh, yeah police like buddy. It's mm-hmm. not it's not a buddy cop movie, but no. but like that kind of uh, relationship there between them exactly. And you've got like the older guy that's experienced and a lot harder. Uh-huh. Um, but. They like Morgan, the guys in the helicopter go, Oh, oh shit, he shot him. Yeah. Like, um, they're, and they say, Call somebody. Yeah. And he's like, Who are we going to call? And he's just like, Call somebody. Yeah. And then, uh, later on, like the aftermath of this event, yeah, Morgan, he, Morgan Freeman's like, Take care of him. Like, like, just take care of him, get him out of here. Yeah. So, uh, which kind of makes me think that he probably does get arrested, but, you know, it depends on how long yeah. he goes to jail and stuff. I, I don't and that's when Morgan would. Freeman uh, quotes the Confucius uh, quote, mm-hmm. and that's where the movie ends. Which, my biggest nitpick with this movie is with Morgan Freeman's character. It's so... I, I just... It bugs me when movies do this. Like, he gets in the cab when he's going to the library. And yeah. he's like... The guy's like, where are you going? And he goes, far from here. Yeah. Okay, well, where's the taxi driver supposed to be? Yeah. And then, yeah uh, is that just an off-screen kind of thing? Yeah, and then but then he does it again. He's like he tries to be mysterious and yeah. and it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like it, He's um, he's like I'll but, be around. Yeah, he's like he's like where will you be? I'll be around. Yeah. Like, like what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> what what I, I want to see what If someone says that to me, I'm just going to be like, "Okay, wh- what does that mean?" Yeah. I'm not just going to let the it's, mystery it's like, go into the It's like a Hallmark sunset. movie. Like the girl gets in the like in the taxi and they're like, "Where are we taking you?" And like the music starts playing, "Home." Yeah, <laughs> this is a random taxi driver. He does not know where home is. But yeah, that, those. This is not my Apple CarPlay. That when I type, when I hit home, it knows where I'm yeah. going. So that was like my biggest like nitpick with this movie, and it's like such a small detail, but like those little things, just like I like I notice them. Like I just like when I see them happen, I'm like. Man, they could have made that like so much more realistic. Yeah. All right, so we are through with our kind of dis- uh, description of the movie. We're going to take a break, and we are going to go right back into our analysis, our ratings, our nitpicks, uh, our favorite parts, all that stuff. Yep. All right, we are back from our break. We have just finished talking about the sequence of events that occur within the movie. Uh, now we're going to go kind of into our ranking system. Uh, we're going to go category by category and then we'll have our overall. So, uh, what should we start with? What do you want to start with? Um, I think the characters. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's characters. what I had the lowest. Okay. And it, it's just like, I don't, we don't know that much about their characters. Like Morgan Freeman was very mysterious and like his worked well, his worked really, really well. And I liked his character. Um, and that mysterious thing like kind of throws you off because I th- I think that was their goal when in making him mysterious was to trick them and to exactly what I thought was that he might be involved involved in it yeah, yeah. 
Um, but and like Kevin Spacey's character, brilliantly executed. Yeah. Like, what a nut job. Yeah. And like ex- executed perfectly. But Brad Pitt's character, kind of eh for me. Yeah. My- and he's supposed to be the main character, and he was just kind of eh. I think my problem with the characters was they. They made him too mysterious. Yeah, it was just like, okay, the, these are our main characters. Yeah, and we, we want to trust a plot them around them. We want to be able to trust them. Exactly. Not until the very end did I really have trust for either guy. Yeah, it was just like these guys are real sketchy, mm-hmm. real sketchy. So, and I, I think that helps the plot, but when you separate plot and characters, I, I gave characters a seventy-eight. Okay, see, I, I gave it a 91 just because I, I thought they were good characters in terms of detectives. Like, they mm-hmm. were good detectives. They were, yeah, they were very, I, it was very convincing. Yeah, I just wish they would have made them a little less mysterious, a mm-hmm. little more build up to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's go, uh, let's go plot next. So this plot could either fall in, or no, let's go genre, sorry. This genre could either fall into a, you know, a character study like you said earlier, mm-hmm. Or it could fall into just a crime. Yeah, it's like a crime, killer. but psychological thriller still. Yeah. And I gave it a 100 for the plot, or I mean for the genre. Okay. Yeah, I, I gave it a 96 just because I thought the, my problem with it was a suspect came into the equation a bit mm-hmm. late, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I don't really like movies where they're just solving or they're just going to crime scenes. I think there's got to be some sort of reasoning behind it. And I could agree with that, but I think because there was that pattern with the crime scenes, like that helped the plot move along until we had a suspect. Yeah. So that's, I still ranked it really high because it tried something different. Like it, it wasn't, like it didn't try introducing that character really early. Or like even a lot of movies that we don't see the character, we at least like see them in action without yeah. knowing who they are. Like it might hide their face. And, like, we see their hands moving and, like, doing stuff. We don't see any of that. Yeah, we see these crimes have been committed off of the screen mm-hmm. or prior to the movie. We see started. the whole movie from the detective's Exactly. There's no other perspective. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, let's go to plot now. I think that this is about as fascinating as a plot as it gets mm-hmm. uh, from the, the Deadly Sins all the way up to the finale and... Um, just the plan that it all had to have orchestrated. So I gave it a 98. I thought it was just about as good of a plot as there is. I gave it a 91 just because I remember at the beginning you and I talked about it was a little slow, but it still got our attention. So I still want to keep it in the 90s because by the end of the movie, you're like, okay, yeah, this was a really, really good plot. Um, But just from like a viewing standpoint, I think it could have started off a little bit faster and maybe introduced like more stuff. A little, yeah, like, you know, my problem with some movies also is that the plot ends like the movie ends right at, like it feels like there could have been like a like because there's the finale, there's the big finale, and then a lot of times in a the movie there's just like an aftermath. Uh-huh. There was none of that. There was no conclusion. See what I, what I like about or dislike about some movies is that the beginning or the you know the the lead up to the climax is all about character development. There's no plot development. Within five to ten minutes of this movie starting up, you're in the mm-hmm. the big guy's house. Yeah, I mean he's dead. He is tied up, ready to go. So I mean I I like that the movie took some time on character development and you know went right into the plot. 
Uh, let's go director. David Fincher, as well as the overall cinematography. I gave it a 92. Uh-huh. I think it's aged really well. Um, like, the opening credits were really creepy. Yeah. But, like, you could tell it was made in the 90s. But I still think it's aged well, where, like, you and I, like, were still creeped out by the... Like, yeah. There were, like, there were pictures that were shown in that opening credits sequence, and we were like, ooh. Yeah. And, like... Uh, we talked like you and I talked during our break about how like it's raining and all that like all the time, and I think they like the cinematography does a great job of like, yeah, uh, highlighting that. Yeah, that was something I wanted to uh, kind of talk about. You know, I I had a ninety five for the director. I thought it was a beautifully directed mm-hmm. film, but we talk about the pattern of sevens earlier. Yeah, we how can, there's a lot of we can get more into this a little bit later. Yeah. After we finish the rate uh, the ranking. Yeah, so I'll I'll just touch on it real quick. We thought it was very interesting how. Every single scene, except for the final scene in the desert, it's raining. Mm-hmm. And I have a theory on that that we'll get to in a little bit. Okay. Uh, but uh, otherwise, for the director, I thought it was a very, very well-shot film because it had a certain noir to it that it was just dark. Mm-hmm. You could tell that it was not an up, upbeat, happy. It was a very gloomy movie. But it still delivered a couple jokes. It did. It. And like, you and I laughed a few times. Like, yeah. Even from the serial killer. Like There was one, I don't remember what it was, but there was one, oh, when they get to the desert and there's the dead dog, and he goes, I didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I, I thought there were a couple times where it tried to dig itself out of the gloomy hole mm-hmm. and it, in a good way. Yeah, it, it was appropriate. Yeah. Uh, so let's go best moment. Uh, what did you have for best moment and what was it? The what's in the box scene, like iconic scene. And it's, yeah. it's the most talked about scene. And I have that in 99 just because it was iconic. And it was like you like you and I were both leaned forward. Like we had been sitting back the whole movie. And then you and I both were sitting forward like we were playing Mario Kart. Yeah. Like it was – we were fully invested um, even though like we had both like – heard that quote and like maybe even like seen a couple clips from that scene yeah like we were really invested in it and i remember i was like i didn't know how close to the end i knew it had to be towards the end of the movie but i didn't know how close to the end it would be and i was just waiting for that scene yeah see i i had the same scene but i had it in 92 uh the only reason i had it a little bit lower did i say mine i had a 99 yeah yeah the reason i had it in 92 which was a little bit lower was um in, intentionally they did this, but I thought they made it just a little too predictable. Mm-hmm. That, you know, I, I right when we saw that package, I, I turned over and said, that's, that's his wife's head. Yeah. And I think they made it just a little too predictable. I think part of that, though, is because this entire time we're seeing it from the detective standpoint. So yeah. we're trying to put ourselves in their shoes of, like, trying to solve what's going on. And we're lost for a long time. Yeah. So I think that they, like you said, intentionally... I think it's supposed to be like where we're trying, like we're figuring it out and we're putting it together. You know, I, I think this would have been a very uh, cool kind of thing uh, before we get to our overall ratings is if they had done this film and I don't know if they would have done a sequel or how they would have done it, but completely flip the perspective and have it all be from um, uh, the John Doe's view. Yeah. I think that would have been very interesting to see. Or if they would have just made it longer and then like when they, uh, like say the car ride is him like recapping it and then it shows And it shows flashbacks and stuff. I think that would have been, yeah, that sounds like a great way they could have done it because I, it was just kind of hard to understand. Well, because he's so smart. what he was saying, but you didn't know how he got to that He's so smart. So like you want to see like how these plans like 
how he actually accomplished that. Yeah, how he got back into his apartment and put the photographs in there. Yeah. How he just figured out all of the the ways to torture them but have it make sense to him. Which, unfortunately, if they would have done that in the 90s, it probably would have been like a shitty him narrating it the yeah. entire time because that was a big thing in the 90s. Yeah. So, right, I, so I think they did a good job like keeping the pacing of the movie where yeah, it was, but sure. it would be cool to see that. And it, it wasn't too long of a movie. I think it was just above two hours, and I think it was good. So rate. have you listened to the rewatchables yeah. at all? One of the things I like that they ask is, would this work as a miniseries? Yeah. And I think, like they say, an eight-episode miniseries. And your immediate reaction would be, well, it should be seven. Yeah. But if they did an eighth episode from his perspective. Or they could have done half of the beginning of an episode from his perspective, beginning of the episode from another perspective. You know, even a a way they could have done it is have seven episodes, but Mm -hmm. have each episode be from one person's perspective. So one from Freeman's, one from Pitt's, one from John Doe's, one from the wife's maybe. To see her husband kind of go crazy, even, maybe from the police chief. Yeah, I don't. Maybe e- one even if from, they would have done like a seven episode series uh-huh. and done it exactly the same perspective as they did the movie, that seventh episode, I mean, wrath happened so quickly. Yeah, that, you, that yeah. last episode could be from John Doe's perspective until that moment. And to, or or uh, you could do um, envy from his perspective yeah. because wrath is yeah. shown earlier in the movie when he kicks the door down. Yeah, that's so true. you could do envy. Where he sees the detective, he wishes he has that life, and then he shows all of the things he did to ruin his chance of that, and then you show him dying because of his envy. Yeah. So, I mean, that that definitely could... You know, the, I could even see Netflix doing some sort of thing like that in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a good idea here. We should just do yeah. it ourselves. All right. We will be directing here in uh, six months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Watch out for that. All right. So, um, I wrote a couple uh, points down. Let's jump into... Uh, the rain. What? What was? We didn't your... get our overall ranking. Oh yeah, yeah. What's your overall? Ninety-two. Okay. See, I I had it in ninety-four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was a great movie. I love this genre of films. Me too. Uh, I love the cinematography of it. I thought it was a really beautifully shot film. Uh, I like the pacing and the plot twists. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, what what is your theory on the rain situation? So, you mentioned that it's not until the desert scene. Mm-hmm. I think it might stop a little bit before that, and it might not show it, honestly. Okay. But I think it's raining until the moment he turns himself in, and it's that clarity that they have their guy. Okay. So it's all Yeah, rainy. you know, I don't think it was raining when he turned himself in. Exactly. So it's all, it's all rainy because, like, it's, like, it's foggy. It's cloudy. Like, no, like nothing makes sense to them yeah. yet. And then as soon as they have their guy, it's clear skies. Yeah, that... That's a good way. That's a good point to think about. Yeah, you know, and, and it might not be that we try to pin meaning on a lot of things. Yeah, and sometimes they're not that com- complicated. Yeah, um, I, you know, maybe maybe it just turned out the way they wanted the lighting to be. They wanted yeah. it to be raining most of the yeah. time. Yeah, and maybe it was just like, oh, it rains a lot in New, in York. New York City at yeah. this like in this season. So yeah, I mean that that could definitely be one of the reasons. So um, we already talked about the conversation in the car for a while. We already talked about why Morgan Freeman didn't tackle Brad Pitt. Uh, we talked about why gluttony was considered a sin. Uh, here's one. I, I didn't understand the pride as to why her, like, getting plastic surgery was considered a sin. Yeah. I mean, that, that I, one was I, a little tricky. I and I remember I asked days. you about that while we were watching it. 
But I think it was just like, cause like in the car, he was like, she was so ugly on the inside that she had to make herself beautiful on the outside. Yeah. So I think it's just like one of those things where like, where she wanted to be proud about something about herself. And he's like saying that you don't need to be proud about yourself. Yeah. And it's not really like, it's not a like perfect crime like these days. Like it's not really like a sin to be proud of yourself and like want to have that confidence. Yeah, I think like, it might have boiled down to more like trying to fabricate confidence. Yeah. Um, so here, here's one. Let's talk about in the most non-explicit way possible. What, what do you think the worst of the ways to die is? Die would have been. Mm. What 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 was that app? Uh, worst ways to die, or you remember the uh, the little dumb ways to die? Dumb ways to die. There it is. Yeah. Dumb ways to die. So what what do you think would have been the dumbest way to die? I think they're all like they would all be so painful. But yeah. Um honestly I think the being strapped to the bed one. Oh, where he had to be there for a year? Because it's just like so like you're laying there until you lose conscious like consciousness. Like yeah. his brain went to mush. Like he sat there until he rotted. And there the, he, there was no entertainment or anything. No. It was just the, like, the eating one would be awful. Oh, yeah, that would suck. Honestly, like, the most gruesome one was the prostitute. Yeah, but, that... that uh, but I don't know if that would be... Because it's not prolonged. Like, he, she gets stabbed pretty much and then bleeds out, which would suck. Yeah. But compared to the others, I think, like, they get prolonged for so long. Yeah. I, for me, I think... I think the easiest would have been... The the lawyer probably right. No, because you're cutting oh, wait, off yeah. your own flesh. Yeah, that's true. I think that one's in the middle. I think the easiest one would have been the model because all she had to do was take the sleeping pills and it was done. But I do agree with you that now, the easiest uh, one was probably Gwyneth Paltrow getting her head cut off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we we didn't see the 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 brutalness of that one. Yeah, but it probably couldn't have been too prolonged yeah well because like once you get your neck cut yeah, like you're done even even it. if he takes his time cutting your head off like you're gonna bleed out very quickly. pretty quickly yeah i i don't know i'm kind of in debate whether the the one with the prostitute or the prolonged one would be the prolonged one w- wouldn't be necessarily as painful mm-hmm. but you know you're just laying there yeah mentally it was probably more painful but and like that guy like he was like shriveled up like yeah like he just like he became a corpse yeah he did a living but, corpse. I don't know. Personally, he looked like something think, out of Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, exactly. But the blade one for me is just yeah, it just horrific. Like, it makes it, you cringe. Yeah, it's just uh, you. You have to see the movie. We're not going to talk about it on here because we just flat out don't want to, and we probably we just wouldn't be good. Yeah. But you have to see the movie and one the visual. Well, it were, doesn't show anything. But you you had were to see. shocked. Like you were like, "What did he do to her?" And I was like, "I had I explained it to you," and you're like, "Oh, yeah." Like you have to see the visuals of what exactly it is, but you also have to hear the detail in which they talk about it. It, it yeah. is disgusting. It's nasty. Um, all right, so we talked about this movie being a better version of Saw. Uh, I looked at some facts earlier. Uh, one of them was saying that. Um, they thought that Morgan Freeman, or Morgan Freeman, originally was going to be the one who shot uh, Kevin Spacey. See, but, I was wondering if that was going to happen. Like when, it, like when everything was going on, I was wondering if Morgan Freeman was going to shoot him. Yeah, but what ended up happening was he 
he decided, Brad Pitt did, he told um, um, David Fincher that no man would let his wife die and let another man shoot the guy for it. Yeah. He said that he would do that himself. But I, I think it would have been cool to see Morgan Freeman do it because he's been so, like, he's kept his composure this whole time. He talked Brad Pitt out of kicking down the door, and then Brad Pitt did it anyway. Yeah. So, like, he's always followed the rules. He's always, like, he doesn't act out of emotion. So it would have been cool to see him snap like that. Yeah. Um, one thing was um, a lot of people said that when they originally saw the movie, they didn't know if it was Gwyneth Paltrow or um, the dog, the <laughs> dog's head. They, you know, because in their fresh in their mind was the dead dog that they saw originally. Okay. So when they saw the package, some people were like, Oh, that's going to be the dog. Um, and then that was pretty much about it. Uh, so the victim of sloth, the uh-huh. guy who was strapped to the bed, he was only like the real actor, Michael Reed McKay yeah. was 98 pounds and had to spend over 14 hours of prosthetic application. Yeah. So like to get all like the like fake skin and like hair and stuff on him. And they, they were saying that the producers and directors asked him if he could lose a couple pounds. And he said, look at me. Do you think I can, I can afford to do that? Uh, so yeah, overall, uh, really a good movie, uh, a hard movie. I would say to watch, I I would, I would throw this up in the category of movies that aren't easy to watch. Um, not that it's not easy to enjoy. It's just like, Oh, this is, did you scratching at the bit? Did you see the library that they used? Huh. was uh in the mask the jim jim carrey oh, okay. the mask gotcha. uh that was the place that he tried to rob blind hmm. um and then so i'm i'm reading just like this list of things so brad pitt had an in, like a real injury during the chase scene uh when he ran into the car windshield oh yeah the car slammed into him which we didn't talk about that during the chase scene like like not only was his face broken from getting hit with the gun. Yeah, but he like, broke his arm. Yeah, and his and his like shirt was all bloody. Yeah, that was because of the rain, the mm-hmm. the yeah. blood coming down from his face. Um, but his arm was in a cast for several of the shots, and that was actually like his broken arm. Really? Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, um, you know, one thing we didn't talk about that we kind of thought thought was funny was David Fincher who directed this, obviously, also directed Fight Club, which is kind of a similar um, noir of a movie. Mm-hmm. But he directed The Social Network, yeah, which is a complete 180. It's still kind of a dark movie in terms of what goes on in it. But, but way different. Yeah, way different. No um, action, nothing like that. So we talked about it being remade into like a series. Yeah. Um, David Fincher was asked if he would ever do a sequel. And this is his quote. I would have less interest in that than I would in having cigarettes put out in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, how, how do you remake this? I yeah. Mean, it's not a remakeable no. kind of movie or a, you know, a sequel that is. So, um, you, that, that's pretty much all I have for sudden. Um, I'm, I'm just reading like this list of facts. There's some pretty good stuff on here. Al Pacino was originally considered for Morgan Freeman's role. Okay. As Mill's partner. I think Freeman did a great job. Oh, yeah. Even though we didn't love his character, he played his character as well as it could have been played. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
But yeah, this like we talked about the rain, like it kind of gives like a dark night. It does. Kinda, like just that that dark picture. Hey, quiet on the set, please. <laughs> yeah, it do, it does give a. <laughs> what is that? Last time having a live audience. <laughs> right. Yeah, we do have a a ginormous li- live audience. People. We didn't tickets. even talk about all the notebooks. Yeah. That they found in his so apartment. what I was gonna say earlier was the opening credit scene. Uh, it's kind of detailing the notebooks and the pictures and stuff he takes. Well, you get into his uh, his study, and he has just, what, hundreds, maybe thousands of notebooks that they detail as written, not a single space between a word, every page filled. And I, the, the reason I brought that up, this list says that all of the notebooks were actually, like, attention to detail. Every single notebook in that room they had filled like with actual words, like not just nonsense words. Like the production team spent over two months writing in those books, like from the perspective of John Doe. Jeez. Well, they said that even if they had 50 guys in 24 hour shifts reading it, they wouldn't get it done in two months. All right. So you had a 92 for seven. I had a 94 for seven. Uh, this is definitely one of the better movies that we've reviewed so far. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the oldest one that we've published. We, we did Goodfellas, but we lost that episode. Yeah. But this is the oldest movie. Yeah, first movie we've had. Uh, Anchorman was in the 90s, late 90s. Was it in the ni- No, it was 2004. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. you're right. So this, yeah. is the, this is our first movie break in the 2000s. Yeah, okay. So um, we'll eventually do Goodfellas again. Mm-hmm. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll have to talk about that again. One, one thing I thought was interesting is... The, like, Kevin Spacey, although he's not a great not a, not a good name in Hollywood anymore. He was a huge name in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. He has, like, a big role, like a significant role, but a very small role in this movie, like, as amount of, like, screen time. Mm-hmm. And then his name was the first one in the credits. Yeah, I saw that. So, that was an interesting thing. About yeah, it. and I think it was, like, them making up for his lack of screen time. They were, like... Well, I mean, that that was something that they definitely had to work through in production meetings where it's like, hey, he's not going to be – he's yeah. going to be in this for half an hour. Yeah. Is that something we're okay with? Are we wasting his talent? And I don't think they did at all. No, because something that it does is like you want – you don't want to leave the audience completely satisfied because that's when they get bored. Yeah. You want to make them want more of that performance and want more. And like how we want – we want to see more from his perspective. Like, yeah. Um, so I could think they did a good job of like leaving the audience like, man, I wish they, I wish they would have used it more, but not too far in the way where we're like, man, this movie would have been a lot better if they used him more. Yeah. So next week, uh, I guess we kind of stay in the dark realm of things, even though it's a comedy this time, we're watching Shaun of the Dead. Um, I haven't seen that one before. Have you? I have not either. Okay. So uh, that'll be one we'll have to watch within the upcoming weeks. Uh, you got anything else? Nope. All right. Well, this has been our review of uh, Seven, Episode Five, Movie Seven. We should have planned this better. Yeah, that's that's a lot of <laughs> that's going to be real confusing. Uh, this has been the Thirty Five Millimeter Podcast. Thanks for watching, listening. What listening? Watching? Listening. listening. <laughs>